Hey, this is Alexia from Children of Bottom, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, what's up, people? Jason Newstead here. You're checking out Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Chip from Chip Demonic, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hello and welcome to episode 263 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, and blues talk on the net. Episode 263, we're joined by Faith's Warning and Armored Saint bassist Joey Vera. Joey's got a great new band called Motor Sister, uh, features members of Anthrax, most notably Scott Ian, uh, doing songs from Mother Superior, which is a band that... Uh, had some albums out in the early 90s it's great kind of rock and roll record more so than a metal record so we're going to talk to joey about that in just a moment also we have returning to the show chip dimonic of the band chip dimonic uh talking about a great new uh, ep they have coming out in april so without further ado we're going to play a track from motor sister and we'll get into the interview with joey barrow I'd like to welcome to the show uh, bassist extraordinaire Joey Vera. How are you doing, Joey? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, primarily want to talk to you today. Uh, you were involved with a, a new project called Motor Sister, um, which goes back and revisits a lot of the, the classic Mother Superior tracks. Uh, got a pretty cool lineup of the band uh, put together with, obviously, Scott Ian and Pearl. Um, do you want to talk about how... You got involved with this because I know you've had some, you know, interaction with uh, Mother Superior in the past, or at least members of the band. Yeah, um, a little quick backstory is that uh, Scott first turned me on to this band, Mother Superior, right around 2004, and um, since then I became friends with um, the guys in the band, and I was became a huge fan right away. Go see them play live and. Shortly thereafter, we even began to working together. Um, they asked me to mix a couple of songs for a couple of their records, um, and I mastered a couple of their records. Um, so we've had a relationship um, before this happened, this current thing happened. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just friends, too. I mean, we would just hang out and, you know, 
uh, we just had a lot in common, uh, especially Jim Wilson and I, and and my wife as well, and we just have a lot of musical musical things in common. So we have we just became great friends, and um, this was that's sort of sort of a sidebar. And then when this when the idea came up, uh, Scott really just simply just called me one day, and right around before his birthday, and he said told me about the idea of what he wanted to do, and and he asked me if I'd be interested in. You know, he wanted me to play, and I said, you know, no-brainer, of course. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to. So um, that um, that was really it. I mean, he just asked me to, to get into it, and I, I said, of course, and that was it. So, you know, he went and uh, chose the songs, and him and Jim kind of talked about them, but it's mostly Scott, the one who chose them. And, um, yeah, we just got together, and we played once, and it was like, Everybody had smiles on their faces. It was like it was like we'd been playing for like months and months. It was really weird. So um, it was cool. It was it was a the whole thing was a really really cool experience. Now, for those not familiar with some of the tracks, did you guys stay pretty true to the original arrangements of the songs, or did you guys take some liberties when you went back and redid them? Yeah, they're mostly uh, they're mostly as is. I think there's two there's a couple little things that we changed. Like, you know, I think one song we, we doubled the chorus or something, you know, cause we were, you know, it was like, that chorus is so great. We should, you know, we should do it again, you know, even mm-hmm. though the original recording didn't have it, you know, so we would double chorus or something or we would change an ending of a song or intro to a song, but, but that was about it. I mean, mostly the songs are just as is cause they're, Jim's a great songwriter and the songs themselves were, just great as they were so we just kind of you know our approach to doing this was we we recorded this live um first of all um and so we didn't go in with this intention of like making a quote-unquote you know produced record production record with you know all these overdubs and you know making it slick and you know all this kind of stuff so we just wanted to do it we were trying to recreate this party this 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 mm-hmm. thing was, was just a party in front of 20 people, and we just jammed in a small room. And the energy in that room incredible, and we wanted to just basically recapture that. So that was the reason we went in and said, well, we're going to do a record. We are just going to do this stripped down and raw, and, and everybody in the same room, everybody play live. And that was it. Yeah, which is interesting when you listen to the record. I mean, the style of music, um, you know, it, you bring up a great point of would it have even worked if you had done, you know, the modern era of production where everybody does their part in their living room, you know, yeah. track the drum somewhere and, and, you know, everybody kind of email it around. Would it have had the same vibe or the same feeling? And, no way. Um, how, how has the experience, obviously you've been in, in many different bands and involved with many different musicians, but how is it in a situation like this where you're coming in and, you know, for all intents and purposes, putting a band of musicians together where you're doing where you don't have to worry about the pressure of writing songs. Is that, um, does it make it a lot looser, a lot more fun? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a possible thing. And on that, a lot of levels, I don't know, you know, the excitement that had, you know, not just trying to all the, you know, the experience too. I would go, would go see them play live every time they play and I'd work with them and I helped them produce a record that never got released you know we have mm-hmm. we, we recorded like total songs 
that never got released. So we, there's like, you know, I'm invested in this emotionally, you know. So at one point, you know, we, we sort of realized that, dude, we're actually in territory. It was insane, you know. So the sense of like fanboy, you know, like, yeah. oh my God, I'm, I'm actually in this band. This is crazy. But, um, you know, so, so that's one level. And then the other level of like, okay, well, I don't need to be a professional. I need to go in and play my parts and then yeah. be, do it justice, you know, and I got to pay respect to the song. So that sort of stuff was relatively easy because I already know what it is. I know what Mother Superior is. I understand it and I have respect for it. So for me, that part was easy because, you know, I don't need to try to, to change it or try to make it something that's even my own because it's not you know it's just something beyond all of us so that part of it was easy and and super fun too because you know I just it's like you just it's like, it's like saying you know Angus Young calls you and go hey man let's you know come play an ACDC for an album you know mm-hmm. I'm actually playing these songs that I like you know, you know these are my favorite songs cool yeah, I think a lot of people were a lot of people were waiting for that call from Angus Young recently. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you guys are you're doing some live dates on the West Coast with this. Um, is it going to be pretty much the material from the album? Are you guys going to dust off some other tracks, some deeper tracks? We did. Um, we played one. Sh- our first show was a week, two weeks ago. We played in New York and Brooklyn, and. Um, we it was incredible by the way it was, the vibe was amazing and the first time we played on stage together it was great and just the crowd and everything was awesome so we're really looking forward to these upcoming shows but yeah we're playing the entire record because it's a short record I think mm-hmm. it's 45 minutes long yeah so we're playing all 12 songs and by the way uh, these 12 songs are the exact 12 songs that we played at the party also. okay this is this is exact same whole thing is it's linear it's the same thing we've been doing um now when we're playing live uh we felt we did feel like 45 minutes was going to go by in a flash which it does because we're playing some of the songs a little faster sure. in the record because we're excited you know yeah um so we did add one extra most superior track so it's not we didn't record and we didn't play at the, at the party it's just another favorite song that came up uh, called Rolling Boy Blues, and so we threw that in the set as well, just as a, you know, just another, like, you know, another taste of maybe what's to come, or just another song for fun, really. That's mm-hmm. really it. Yeah. Now, when when you were doing all this, did did any talk of, you know, with Jim was writing some new material crop up, or is that still kind of, you know, we'll see? Well, you know, it, that actually came up just recently. Um, we... You know, this record was recorded a year ago, and it just has taken us uh, a lot of time to, you know, whatever, just get the mixing done and get the mastering done and then do the artwork. We didn't really have a, uh, a timeline, like a, a deadline, rather. Mm-hmm. And then um, we wanted it to come out in, a, in an open time, too, so Metal Blade Records felt like holding it until this spring was the best thing to do, so... Um, we haven't really had a lot of uh, interaction as a group, you know, sure. since since like last spring, I would say. 
So, but we've been getting back together, you know, obviously for getting ready for this release, and we did the show in Brooklyn, so we have been spending time together as a band, and yeah, recently we just started talking about, because some people are asking the same question, they're asking, you know, like, what what, what about the future, you know, like, where is this going, and mm-hmm. um, so we indeed want to, we love playing together, we all get along famously, we're all good friends, mm-hmm. there's such a great vibe, um, it's so easy working together, so yeah, we want to see what what this band can do on its own. So we have talked about writing with Jim. Jim, you know, we all know what Jim is. Jim's a great songwriter. So mm-hmm. we're all gonna, you know, he's like we look to him for inspiration and and that and the music stuff. So, but we, yeah, he's invited us to say like, you know, I want to write with you guys and I want input and I want to help with arrangements and just everything writing. So. Yeah, we're going to see we're going to see where this takes us. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. You know, obviously you've got quite a metal background. Scott's background is is well known. Uh, you know, to take that kind of approach, and, and you know, do you defer to Jim's style when you write these songs and do the arrangements, or do you go into you know to to you know what you guys have done in the past? You know, it would be very interesting to see what that would result in. You know, to take that. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. We're we're curious too. That's why we want to see. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, this isn't like a, you know, there's no like, um, you know, this isn't like a business decision, you know, this right. is a strictly like a fun decision. We truly love being around each other and playing together. And we, we have a lot of the same, we're on the same page about all the kinds of music that we come from and what we like and what we listen to. So it would be fun to see where this could go mm-hmm. so that, that's the, that's why we want to see we want to see it's like an experiment sort of like let's see what we can write you know why yeah. not now um, you've got a couple other things going on obviously um, you have a tour coming up uh, later in the spring closer to summer now it is with uh, Saxon uh, you're going to be playing with Armored Saint how is uh, how are preparations yeah. for that coming uh, that's going great our, uh, we just finished a brand new record um, and um, it's all set to come out coming out on Metal Blade on June 2nd. Awesome. And um, we are all set to go for that, just finishing up the artwork and the, um, you know, yeah, that's about it. That's that's getting ready to go. We're doing those shows, as you mentioned, with Saxon. And then we're in the summer, we have, uh, we're going over to Europe in June and also in August, July, August to do European festivals. We're doing four one-offs with Queensryche over in Europe. Um, so we got a, Armored Saint will be busy um, over the summer. Now, has Armored Saint, in your opinion, been you know obviously with the Big Four um, kind of coming back and, and really breathing a, a lot of life into Thrash? Is it? Have you seen the change in, in Armored Saint shows as far as attendance and things like that, or um, is it not well, we true for them? We haven't really. We don't really play that often, you know. We mm-hmm. we kind of. Um, we haven't really we haven't played in almost two years now, um, but um, we uh, you know I don't know I I, I don't know about Armored Saint shows but I you know I certainly think that there's you know there's been another revitalization of you know uh, I don't know what you call it classic metal maybe sure um, yeah, metal bands from the 80s and 90s early 90s you know I think mm-hmm. there's definitely been a uh, 
you know, there's been a revitalization there, sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And are you uh, still doing work with Fate's Warning? Yep. Uh, Fate's Warning is on a writing hiatus. We just started writing for the new record, um, you know, next record we're writing mm-hmm. for. And um, there may be some, we're trying to maybe, we might take a break sometime between now and the end of the year to maybe go out and just do a few live shows to break it up a bit. But Yeah, break up that monotony. Um, yeah, but nothing's confirmed yet with that, but we are writing a new record. Awesome. All right, Joey. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time uh, again. Great. We're looking, you've got a couple of releases coming on on uh, Metal Blade then, but we'll be looking yeah. at most notably Motor Sister. Uh, we'll be out here just in a couple of weeks, so we look forward to that. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thanks. Big thanks to Joey again. Motor Sister's album is out now. It's on Metal Blade Records. You can get it on iTunes and Amazon and watch for... Uh, Saxon and Armored Saint to be on the road. Uh, Joey was just on that metal show with Eddie Trunk uh, with John Bush talking about that as well. So you can check that out on VH1 Classics website. I'm going to turn our attention now to Chip Dimonic. Uh, they've been a guest on the show. The band has several times. Chip has a uh, great new EP coming out in April uh, called Uncaged. Uh, and it features a song that was inspired by uh, them winning for the third consecutive year the Pittsburgh Music Award that we do each year. Uh, for Best Punk Band, uh, and the reaction from some of the hardcore punk uh, fans. The track is called You Ain't Punk, so we're going to lead you into that interview with Chip Dimonic with You Ain't Punk. You ain't punk, you ain't punk, I bet you never saw the meanest spirits Saw the misfits once Got no business in your 
staring at a rough crowd Heckling, telling me to turn down I turn my amp to ten Slay days with pure feedback And this is what I said to them pleasure and welcome back to the show from the band chip demonic we have the aforementioned chip demonic how you doing chip i'm doing great john how are you today fantastic great to have you back on the show you guys have been no strangers to the show over the years great supporters since the early early days of iron city rock so always great to talk to you and uh we last spoke to you you had a project uh Lindona. um you've got a new uh ep uh coming out later in march so i wanted to talk to you about that you want to tell us a little bit about the writing process that went into this. Obviously, this album, to me, a little heavier, a little more gritty, Chip Demonic. You want to talk about that? Sure. You know, um, we had uh, a couple of members change since uh, our last album, which was in 2012, and, um, you know, really just brought a, a different um, different process in, a different feel in, and, um, you know, there's a, been a lot of great music that's come out um, since our last album, and we can't help but uh, but be influenced by that. So, um, you know, a lot of changes, and uh, I, I think the, sh- the sound really shows uh, if you compare um, The Sign of a New Generation, which was our last album, to this one. So um, definitely feel we have a, a heavier edge this time around. Yeah, now you, if I'm not mistaken, you've got quite a background as a guitarist, correct? You you studied the guitar, or, or obviously I know you play classical guitar. Um, do you do a lot of the writing for the music, or do you, do you let the the new guy on guitar move in? Um, well, you know, every song is is written differently, um, but uh, yeah, I, I tend to uh, I tend to be the uh, the principal songwriter of the band, and uh, you know, a lot of times that can range from me bringing a nearly completed song. Into me just you know standing in a room and saying you know guys let's jam out to this so mm. um, you know every, everyone has the opportunity to uh, kind of put their own um, their own stamp on things. Now, do you write you know as a vocalist and a guitarist? Do you lyrics hit you first, or do you shoehorn the lyrics to fit the guitar riffs, or how do, how do you put the two together? You know, it, it really is different from song to song. Like, I'm thinking of the last two tracks on the album and how opposite they were. Um, you know, the for example, Dig Deep is a song that I wrote in my head d- during a half marathon. I, I was at mile 10 of a of a 13.1 mile race, and I just was so tired and didn't know whether I was going to make it to the end of the race. And then those lyrics just came to me and, you know, inspired me um, 
to the, uh, you know, to finish the race and, and finish strong. So, you know, the lyrics to that song were written, um, on the run, literally. And, uh, so later it was just a matter of getting the music to fit the lyrics. Um, then the, the song that precedes that on the album is a song called Hand Grenade. And that was, um, that was a song where we just, uh, we were just jamming in a room. And, um, you know, I was just kind of messing around with some lyrics and we recorded it on my phone, um, to have for, for later reference. And then our old drummer at the time, uh, Carmen, who was with us for, for about eight years, um, he had started writing the song with us and, you know, he texted me the next day and said, you know, write some positive lyrics to that, mm-hmm. um, which I did. Um, so that's how that song got written. So it really varies from song to song. And I, I think that helps us, you know, provide the listener with, you know, a variety in entertainment. When they when they get our album, they're not going to get bored feeling like they're listening to the same song six times in a row. They're, they're going to feel like each song has its own personality and hopefully um that'll make it an enjoyable listening experience for them yeah that's an interesting interesting thing you mentioned because you know i was listening to some old aerosmith the other day listening to toys in the attic and how varied the songs are Mm -hmm. but you you pick up a new album from band xyz other than being super compressed the other thing you notice about every album is that you'll have 11 songs that sound the same and maybe if you're lucky that 12th song is kind of an off the wall but, um, you know, I, I listened to this, you know, and in the course of six tracks, obviously you have uh, some tongue-in-cheek punk uh, that we'll talk about in a minute, Dig Deep, uh, almost to me felt like a fake No More track, mm-hmm. um, and, and a bunch of things in between. You've got kind of the ballad, the softer side, uh, you know, Uncaged had a very metal vibe. So, you know, do you think in your head, you know, I need to write a, xyz type of song as you approach this or does it just the idea comes and you you know nurture it and it grows into and you just pick the six best or you know however many songs do you, do you mm-hmm. try to hit a style in your head um, yeah i would say yes and no um you know i don't consciously sit down and write a song and say i have to write a ballad today or i have to write a metal song today or a punk song today or anything anything like that, but subconsciously, I think it works on me, because I, you know, I'm, first and foremost, I am a music fan, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I listen to hours of music every day, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, you know, I am always seeking out new music, and the, the albums that really excite me as a fan are those that do have a lot of um, a lot of variety to them that that don't just kind of bl- have one song blend into the next. And you know, one of my complaints are when some of my some of the bands that I like release an album, and it feels like all of the songs are are the same, and that's disappointing to me as a fan. Um, so I, I like to think that I write songs that I would like to hear my favorite bands release. Mm, right. uh, so I, I like variety, and uh, I think that influences the writing. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And you know, they bring up a great point. You know, I think of like even even when you you have some of those very tracks that aren't your favorites. You know, it, it's still nice to have that variety. I, I could live my whole life without ever hearing Great Expectations from Kiss again. But it's on one of their better albums because it's not cookie cutter 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I certainly see where you're coming from. And I enjoyed your story on Dig Deep. I think most people at 10 miles of a marathon would be calling that medic please, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, do you, um, when, when you're running like that, I, do you, um, keep like a, obviously when you're in the middle of a marathon, you can't stop and take notes, but do you have like, you know, phone in your pocket you can kind of shout the lyrics into, or do you just hope you remember it, uh, three miles later? In that particular case, it was a matter of of hoping I remembered it three miles later. And, you know, I just kept going over and over and over those lyrics in my head um, for that three miles. And um, that helped me remember them, but it also helped me uh, stay distracted from how exhausted I was. So, um, you know, it kind of served a dual purpose, and I was able to to remember them. And then once I finally finished, I was able to, uh, to write them down puke them all out on a piece of paper at the finish line. <laughs> right. um, now, the, I know you guys did some crowdfunding uh, with this project. Was that primarily for the video shoot, or was that to incorporate some of the, the costs of the album? Or, or how did you go about doing the album? Was this done at local studio or home studio? Um, we did it at uh, Innovation Studios in Steubenville, Ohio, okay. um, with Mike Gofka. Um, you know, it was, it was really a... Um, it was really a great experience working with him, and and he, you know, I think he really brought the best out of the band to uh, on, on the album. So, but we um we funded the album uh, with a combination of all of the money that we've saved through performances and merch sales mm-hmm. from our last album, plus digging into our own pockets, um, and then the video uh, or the crowdfunding campaign was done after the oh. album was recorded. And our goal with that was to fund um, the video that okay. we just uh, we just recorded this past uh, this past Sunday, and um, that's that was really the intention with the with the crowdfunding campaign to get the get the video rolling. Yeah. Now, let me let me ask you this in an area because I know I was flipping through VH1 um, the other morning and, and uh, kind of just this casual conversation I was having with my wife. She said, "Do bands even make videos anymore?" And I said, yeah, you know, you do seem, she's like, why, where do they play on like, YouTube, I guess. But how important do you feel in 2015 a video is to the success of a song? I mean, obviously enough to to put some money into it, but um, mm-hmm. is it as big as it was 10 years ago or even further back? Yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to do a comparison because it is so different. Um, you know, years ago, uh the sources of seeing music videos were very limited mm-hmm. and the decision for what you saw as a music video was fed to you um by MTV so mm-hmm. if you got you know or 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 VH1 or whatever the station was um so it's kind of like if you got in the if your video got in the good graces of the powers that be then people would see it and that mm-hmm. was you know that was huge um, now the tables have turned, you know, instead of being fed what you should watch, it's, it's much more democratic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe in the, in, in the past, um, if you had a bad video, people would still see it because it was fed to them. But now with, um, you know, with YouTube and, and kind of the, um, the democracy that exists in media, mm-hmm. if you put out a bad video, People won't share it, and as a result, no one will see it. Right. Um, on the flip side of that, YouTube represents a huge opportunity 
you know, to to remove the boundaries for who gets to see your video. So I, I think if you want a song to break, um, a video is essential. You know, um, YouTube is is today's MTV. It's today's radio station. It's today's um, CD player. Yeah, you know, uh, so. It's. I think it's very essential to have a good video if you really want to get a song out to the masses. Let me ask you this, because I, I know obviously you've got quite a sense for the business side of music, and this has been something that's always been kind of curious to me. You see an artist like Taylor Swift say no to Spotify because the royalties aren't there. Mm-hmm. But yet, I don't think she'd say no to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the royalties aren't there either. Do you mm-hmm. have a sense to what what is the upside, obviously, I mean, other than the fact that YouTube probably at this point still has a much bigger market? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, you know, that's a tricky, tricky question. And, um, uh, again, because it, it's it's almost somewhat like an apples to oranges comparison mm-hmm. because you you have both, uh, it, it, they're both fruit, but they're both very different, to yeah. use that analogy. Um, but... You know, with YouTube, you got the visual aspect of things, sure. um, and that you know that it, it can really amp up a song's appeal. Whereas Spotify, it's just the audio. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, yeah, one of the one of the things is, and what I admire about what the, the stand that Taylor Swift took is that. So often you see musicians on social media saying, look at my royalty statements. I got a penny for my spins on on Spotify and everything. But yet still, those same musicians are continuing to put their music on Spotify. So, you know, you got to say, all right, if you're putting your music on Spotify, then you are deciding that it's worth it to get Mm. pennies for your music. So don't complain about it. Yeah. Um, but if you're not happy with penny, pennies for your music um, and it's not worth it, then don't put it on Spotify. There's no one holding a gun to your head saying, thou shalt put your music on Spotify. Um, so I admire that Taylor Swift uh, took her stand. Um, but in, in in all honesty, for the for those of us who aren't as big as Taylor Swift, um, it may be worth it to get pennies for our music to get our our music discovered by the right. by the people who are increasingly using Spotify. Sure, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's kind of like radio. I don't think anybody's getting rich off a of radio, um, but it is kind of a necessary. And, and it's you mentioned the royalty checks. You never see anybody put a picture of their T-shirt revenue on. <laughs> on I made thirty eight dollars on that one T-shirt I sold last night. You don't see that. Uh, right, <laughs> but I, but I've noticed even you know with bands um, using the the funding campaign, how far away from labels uh, some bands are getting. You know where they're they're collecting money in advance to release an album, and, and I've seen even more recently bands saying, okay, we want to go out on tour, we want to do shows, help you know we'll, we'll do these really cool things. You know we'll we'll play a show in your town, we'll sign a leather jacket, we'll give you some props from a video so that they can afford to go on the road. And I think this is this is kind of a scary sign when we need to raise money to do the live show because for you know the last ten years we've heard okay it's hard to make new music bands make their living on the road. Now I'm starting to see bands saying we need some money to go on the road. This is um you know this is where it starts to get uh, concerning to me is at what point 
you know, bands don't even tour. You know? <laughs> so. Right. You know, I, it, it's kind of like a conversation I've once had with my band. It's like, okay, if you if you can't make money on your recorded music mm-hmm. and then you go to promoters and they say, we don't want to pay you, but you can make money on merch um, by your T-shirt sales, you know, then it's almost like, well, why don't we just skip the music altogether and make a really cool T-shirt if that's exactly. how we're going to make money? Exactly. Yeah, you become T-shirt salesmen instead of musicians. Right. But I mean, it, it is a it's a challenging, challenging time in the industry, and it's always interesting to see you know an up and coming band such as yourself, uh, because you don't have you know Frontiers Records throwing you a giant check and saying, "Hey, go out on the road and open for you know White Snake for thirty dates." You know, we'll cover everything, and you know, in return, we hope you sell a lot of records so that we make money. Um, you know, you guys kind of have to put your money where your mouth is and decide how to spend your dollar. You know, for every dollar you make in the ticket sales, you need to decide, do I want to invest in new music, which obviously is a band you guys do. Um, do I want to invest in videos or how I want to spend my money? So right. let's talk a little bit about, um, you guys just did a video for You Ain't Punk, which I know we'll all be looking forward to seeing and, and really enjoy the song. Let's talk a little bit about where the song came from, if we could. <laughs> well, that's a that's a perfect topic for this show. Um, uh, is, well, the last three years, Chip Demonic was voted best punk band in the Iron City Rocks Pittsburgh Music Awards. So, so thank you to everyone out there that, that voted for us. And um, you know, there every year that we win, there's an increasingly big number of people that come out and say, you know, they shouldn't have won. They ain't punk. You know, um, exactly. which I enjoy the whole punk punk rock attitude. How do you know, is you know this free kind of idea, but then you're going to say, well, these guys aren't in our genre. It's like mm-hmm. very interesting, very interesting. It's like saying you're not alternative, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, you know, we 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 heard from all those people that said they ain't punk, they ain't punk. So we were, you know, after hearing it enough times, uh, we wrote a song called <laughs> called "You Ain't Punk," and uh, just kind of encapsulating that thought of. Um, you know, hey, if you're not exactly like me, then then you know you're then you're not punk. And um, you know, I, I think it's great. I think it's mm-hmm. I think the punk rock pride um, is great. Even mm-hmm. the people that that will criticize us, mm-hmm. I, you know, I admire that they have that pride in their music and they own their music and they have that much passion about music that they choose to hate the fact that we won. I think that's cool and. Uh, you know, I think it's cool that it inspired what what we think is a pretty fun song. Yeah, it's the the nonconformists are angry that you don't conform to their style. That's the, exactly. Yeah, I, I noticed the same backlash. Uh, obviously, we read it, and again, asterisk, we do not vote. Um, so so don't blame don't blame Iron City Rocks for the category winners. Um, but yeah, it, it always is interesting, you know, when when a, a band, um, you know, you get. Best XYZ, best musician, best, you know, drummer, best guitarist, best whatever. And the people want to argue that when, you know, it is kind of tricky because music isn't a competition. Um, right. You know, so this is, I think, more of a indicator of how people appreciate you guys. And, you know, maybe where people think, okay, I saw these guys. They did a show with a couple bands. We saw them, you know, that's kind of the mindset when they walked away from a show where they would categorize you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is interesting to see the backlash. It's it's really cool that you guys turned it into a song and a very cool song. 
uh, and it sounds so darn authentic. You know, when I listen to it, I think this is kind of sounds like it could be on a Clash record. Um, <laughs> you know, so that that was really cool uh, to see that. So you guys made the video. Um, you shot the video over the weekend. Uh, saw some photos online about that. Yes. Um, now, how long till the video sees the light of the day when you don't have you know major studios getting in the way and editing and stuff? How long do you guys mm-hmm. anticipate to put that together? Well, it is a uh, it is a fun video. So we are targeting um, the aggressive uh, timeline to have it out uh, on April Fool's Day. So okay. um, no guarantee that that's going to happen, but if we can make that happen, I think it's going to be great. It's you know it's a the song is fun, and I think the video is going to be even more fun. So we're we're hoping just to play that fun factor up and uh, get it out on April April Fool's Day. Cool. Now let's talk about the album release. When when will Uncage hit the street and the you know the the Spotify's and iTunes of the world? When can people get a hand on it? We have a release date of April 10th, and uh, we're having a CD release party that night at uh, the Hard Rock Cafe in Pittsburgh. Okay, so April 10th. Now I'm curious. I don't remember the exact date that the industry is moving to fr- to a Friday release. Is that in line with that, or you guys just picked April 10th because that's when you'll have it done? Um, we, we picked that day with, you know, we like, uh, um, we like to have the album out on the, uh, on the day of release. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it, it's not like people can get it early or they have to, or they have to feel like they come, they have to come to the show to get it on release day. We, we like to give them that option that, uh, regardless of how you want to enjoy our music, um, it's one day where you can where you can get it either at live at the show or if you're you know if you're a fan from throughout the United States or abroad um, you can get it on on iTunes or, or Spotify or whatever wherever you get your digital music. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Chip. Well, I want to thank you. I wish you guys all the best again. The new record on Cage. Uh, you can get your hands on that in just a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll obviously be enjoying you ain't punk and uh, looking very much forward to the video release. Thank well, thank you very much, John. Really appreciate being on the show. I'm, I've been a longtime fan of it. Listen to it. Uh, listen to every episode. So it's an honor to be here. So thank you for that. Big thank you to Chip Diamonic again. Uncage will be available April 10th. You can get that at chipdiamonic.com. Check out the Facebook page. Uh, you can get it on iTunes as well. So look for that, uh, and also a video for U8 Punk, which will be uh, out soon as well. Also want to thank Joey Vera again. Motor Sisters album is available now in Metal Blade. Uh, records and he will be on tour with Armored Saint uh, doing uh, tour dates with Saxon. Unfortunately, nothing in Pittsburgh, but uh, still be a great show to check out if you have the opportunity. want to thank you for checking our show out. You can buy to visit us at ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks, and also twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. We love to hear from folks. Ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us. Uh, tell us what you love about the show. Tell us what you hate about the show. Let us know. Also, you can give us a rating on iTunes. We deeply appreciate that as well. So until next time, thanks so much for listening.